What's up, guys? Max here, back with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show, and you might recognize this man sitting right next to me. This is uh, Kyle Knight. Uh, you see him in the chat regularly as Regal T-Type, and you might recognize him also from the episode we did, the Outpost podcast, the story of Red Platoon, as told by those who were there. Kyle Knight of Red Platoon, and a good friend of mine, and welcome, Kyle. What's up? How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm um, excellent. It's great to see you back on the show. We've been talking about doing this for quite a while, so it's awesome that we finally are doing it. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody in the chat who's here for this episode. This is going to be really fun because you see the title, Army True Crime Story. Uh, Kyle's been telling me that he's got this story that he can't wait to tell me about a, a soldier in his platoon. Because you know we're always covering Army crime stories on the Scuttlebutt show. There's never a shortage. And he said he's got the best one ever and uh, we're ready for that. So, dude, for anybody who's watching who doesn't know you, can you just, like, give me a quick intro on you? Um, I'm Kyle Knight. I was at uh, the Battle of Cop Keating. That's about the most interesting thing about me, I guess. Uh, I was in uh, 361 Cav at Fort Carson, Colorado from uh, 2007 to 2011. And in that time, you have had... By the way, if anybody out there is not sure who this is or what we're talking about, I recommend a couple things. You can go back and watch the podcast with Kyle, which is on the channel, The Outpost, The Story of Red Platoon. And I recommend going to read the book, Red Platoon, because I was just thinking about this this morning. And what I decided, Kyle, is like the book, Red Platoon, is like the complete everything experience of a soldier from 2001 to like 2012, like anything that could happen to a platoon of true, like that, that encompasses the soldier story is covered in red platoon for anybody who was wondering what it could have possibly been like to be infantry in the army. That to me is like the definitive book because it talks about war, death, pre-deployment camaraderie, Iraq is, you know, he talks about Iraq in there, the, what happened after the battle, all of that, like it's just the ultimate uh, modern war on terror book. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's why I didn't re-enlist that one. That one deployment pretty much ran the, the full uh, gamut of what you could experience over there. I, I was satisfied entirely after that. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, now we got everybody in the chat. We got Rachel. What's up? Tyler Jones is in the chat. What's up Jones? I hope you enjoy this episode too. Uh, Earl, Jacob, Steve, Tyler, Chris, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Now, okay, here's the deal. What are we here to talk about? We are here to talk about a very special person named Marco from Apache Troop 361 Cav. Marco. Yeah, Marco. Otherwise known as the Black Wafta. Because he, he had this speech impediment where he couldn't pronounce his R's. He had that, you know, so he would say Black Wafta. Black Anywho, Wafta. <laughs> yeah. So this guy, right, he had his own, like, mythos about himself um i don't know what exactly what his mental issues were but <laughs> he believed when he turned 21 he would ascend to his true true form as an alien black raptor dinosaur alien something okay. like that okay so and he uh he was uh in the unit coming back from iraq he did a the tour there and that's i ran into him a couple times i rode with him in a couple uh a couple of, you know, trips out to the range and back and stuff. And I'm like, you know, he's a pretty weird guy, but everybody's weird out here. But it turns out he, uh, he was like, 
getting on uh, MySpace at the time under the handle Rex290, and uh, he would he had uh, he would do like like sexual torture role play with people, <laughs> and, uh, like like uh, cannibalism role play with people online. Uh, no, yeah, I'm not kidding. Uh, the dude was freaking nuts. So uh, wait, hold on, hold on one second, because I I, I want to. There's a couple things here that I got to unpack. The first is, uh, what is what is sexual torture role play? First of all, a lot of people might need to know what is MySpace. MySpace was the precursor to Facebook. All right, so if you're too young to know what uh, MySpace is, it was the precursor to Facebook, uh, and you were only cool if you had Scarface wallpaper up. And two is, what is sexual torture? Do you know, like, can you, can you expand it's, upon that? It's like really extreme, like BDSM kind of stuff. Like chat, like chat rooms. Yeah. And like, I don't know if he did, but I don't, I didn't really know the guy or like a lot of details about that, but he was like a freaking pervert. Okay. For one thing. Okay. To start with. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he had the, the he thought he was going to be a, come a dinosaur thing and all this stuff. <laughs> so he would start, he would start to like seducing vocal women especially uh special needs oh no and then uh yeah drag them up into the mountains and uh stab them to death and throw them off the cliff i think he did i want to say he did two or three like that okay hold on a second <laughs> so this this dude okay so this guy marco he so he murdered people he found them on myspace but what do you remember like the first time you met him? Yeah, it was in the back of a Humvee. I smoked a cigarette with him. And what was is what did anything stand out? No, he had a slight lisp, he had the speech impediment, and uh he was just kind of a little weird, but I mean, that's half the people at 361 Cav. It was a little weird. Was he a did he have like a reputation as a good or bad dude in the in the platoon? Uh, he was in Apache. He was in the other troop. I was in Black Knight. He was in Apache. But from talking to other people who worked with him, yeah, he was he was always you know considered a little off. Okay. So I mean, if you if you if you have a whole spiel about yourself that you're uh, an alien dinosaur who's who's going to ascend on your twenty first birthday, I mean, that's he, a little strange. That's a good point. He so he would talk about that like just he would tell people that like casually. Yeah, he was yeah he was open about it. Is that, oh man. Okay. Is that like, is that based on, do you know if that's based on anything? Like, is that, I've, I've tried to look it up. You can Google black Raptor and you're not going to get, you're going to get like articles about him and like weird furry stuff on like, uh, like DeviantArt or something. So let me, let me show everybody something real quick here in who's in the chat. We're talking about this soldier who Kyle worked with, who, ended up becoming a serial killer and I've got this serial murder rapist something I've got this article pulled up you're seeing it on the screen right now and it's it says Fort Carson soldier accused in killing and it's uh Robert Hull Marco and this is a picture of him but there's a quote here Kyle it says a Fort Carson soldier who declared on MySpace that he was becoming a cold-hearted killer in search of sex slaves is in custody he said in a in a poorly spelled MySpace post, he says, I am becoming a true black raptor already. 
I'm becoming a cold-hearted killer and can kill without mercy or reason. That's straight from his MySpace page. Yeah, pretty edgy stuff. Dude, okay, so he, okay, so he, he goes on MySpace. What period of time did this occur over? It was that summer after um, the unit got back from Afghanistan, so this would be 2008. So this is after... Well, oh, oh, after, this is before you went. So you were pre-first deployment at this time. Yeah, this is, this is, this is like my first experience in an actual unit after coming <laughs> And, okay, so, so he was on that deployment? He was on the, he was on the previous one with, in Iraq. Okay, so, damn, I wonder, I wonder, like, what that was like to be deployed with him. I don't know, like... And I don't, you know, there's, there's not an excuse. He didn't get PTSD and go crazy from Iraq. He was crazy before. That's somebody who never should have been allowed in the army in the first place. Yeah. What's up? Do you know, like, what's up with that? I know the army like was recruiting really aggressively, basically anybody. Oh, it was the, the height of the Obama surge, you know, when he was surging all those troops. So yeah. you got, you got felons, you got methods, you got, you know, you name it. They Damn. were letting everybody in. So, oh wait, let me, let me just, so, but he must've come in under Bush though. Yeah. Well, the, it must've been the Bush surge. If he came in like 2000, in 2005. I was a surge. Yeah. 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 I remember, I remember, I remember surging twice and once was in 2007 with under Bush. And then once was in 2009 with Obama. Um, so, so he comes into the army. He does, uh, he makes it into boot camp, infantry. He makes it into a deployment, comes back and he starts targeting people on MySpace over the summer after a deployment. And did he live on base in the barracks? Uh, yes, he did. In fact, there's, uh, that's, that's a whole nother section of the story. Okay, wait, hold on. I want to make sure we cover it in the correct timeline here. So, so we talked about what he did, but so what would be the next chronologically after you are, so, you know, we, we know now looking back that he was, um, he, you know, what he did, but you knew you were there like working around him. Some of your, you know, buddies were working closely around him. What would be like from the time that he got, you know, busted or whatever to the beginning of the summer? What, is there any like events that occurred that would trigger you guys to think something weird was going on? Besides Not the black really. Raptor stuff? I mean, other than that, but I mean, you get, you get saturated with so much weird stuff that, you know, until, until they actually, somebody does something, you just kind of hope they don't do something, you know? That's a good point. It is. It's really true. Like you, it, it, you get, it's just like on deployment where every day they tell you, this is the big one. You know what I mean? You're like, how do I even know what to take seriously? Everything's is like the end of the world. So what do you take serious? Like, how do you know what to take seriously? So this guy's out there being weird, talk, talking about becoming a black raptor. Uh, so what? What? How does anybody find out this shit's going on? Uh, when the CID SWAT team hit his barracks room. The CID SWAT team. Apparently, I didn't so, even. I didn't even know. So, so Zach Copas, the day the day they because he was off post somewhere, and the day they came to search his room. Gregory from Red Platoon at Cop Keating was on uh, staff duty, 
and Kofus and Larson from Cobb Keating were on CQ for that barracks. And so they had to let the guy, let the police in. And there was like in his room, there was like a circle of cutouts from porno mags, like a little shrine where he would do his like rituals and stuff. Oh no. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. And another funny story is Jones, after all this went down, Jones had just gotten in the army and he ended up in Marco's old room. And he, every time he'd come out, you know, for PT in the morning, there'd be piss all over his door. He's like, what's going on with all this piss? <laughs> and, uh, and he caught somebody one day pissing on his door. He's like, what's going on? He's like, oh, this is, this is Marco's room. We all piss on it. <laughs> like, well, you know, cause it's mine now. <laughs> That's a, uh... So, so obviously he did not leave, you know, viewed very positively, correctly. So, um, Co- just so everybody listening who knows, Zach Copas is another guy from Red Platoon uh, who was in the podcast that we all did together about a year ago, actually. Um, it would have been like probably 10 months ago. And, uh, and he fought it at a cop Keating as well. And they were all in um, Red Platoon together. So, CID has a SWAT team. They, does he go like without resistance? He got arrested off post Ah, a couple towns over. And I don't know a lot of the details about how he actually got busted. So he gets busted. He gets arrested. And there's like a trial. Yeah, the trial. I think he actually got convicted while we were all in Afghanistan. He got, he got life without parole, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And I guess that probably makes sense you know what's crazy is this stuff's really hard to find on the internet this story like there's not a lot of information out there about it if you try to google it a lot of local news yeah yeah a lot of local news and um, i guess that's good i mean now if this same shit happened now it'd be like i'd be covering it on the scuttlebutt show because it's like the uh the the access to information is like so easy to get and everything just goes so viral so quickly but like this is a major like true crime murder story out of Fort Carson and like nobody was talking about it what about what about the victims like did they what was there any fallout like okay so so the victims uh you said he would take them to the woods and stab them and throw them off of a cliff yeah he would take them up uh gold uh uh, I think it was old Gold Camp Road up above Colorado Springs. You can go up in the mountains. It's like a it's like a wilderness state park kind of area. And like like because a lot of what this story I I picked up from rumors until I actually talked to people who knew him you know better than I did. And like we were hearing stuff like he would cut their livers out and eat them to like gain their power and stuff. And like just it was off the wall. Like there was he became like a meme in the in the company. Like he was like a legend. We had like a gang sign for him. It was uh, yeah the black wafta <laughs> and we had this uh we had this we had this cadence because so many people from 361 cab were just going around town murdering people we had this cadence it was a uh, rape and murder just for fun that's what we do in the 361 <laughs> jesus christ that's that like army dark humor that people would not get that's like the that's the stuff that like has to stay on base uh or else people will just freak out if they hear that like what it, it did so did they I, i'm trying to just wrap my head around this like technique he had of killing people i guess so like uh did they find the bodies out there yeah 
that's that's when the the one the one girl like she was autistic like that was the big one that got him caught they found her like she was missing for a couple weeks i want to say before they found her because that's a pretty remote spot like you have to have like a pretty good a decent truck to get up there I, and like once once you actually leave the road like you'd have to it'd be it'd be tough to spot somebody out there i wonder like I wonder if at the time, because he was trying to find people on MySpace, I wonder if at the time people like were aware that th this type of stuff could happen on the internet, like that people could find people on MySpace and like target them in this way. Like to, I, I, I know uh, people would like ask each other out on MySpace a lot. That's that's when uh, Chris Hansen, Dateline NPC, NPC was popular on TV. Oh yeah, that's so. true. And we had a guy. We got a, had a guy get hemmed up on uh, a very similar circumstance. I'm not going to say his name, but he was he was at cop cheating, and he thought he was going to hook up with a 14 year old. Turns out it was the FBI. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you know, don't for one, don't do that, and then two, you should know that those sting operations are in effect, like hardcore. And well, that's a whole that's a whole nother deal. Um, so this guy, so Marco. Marco goes out there and buries these bodies. What kind? What kind of? Well, he, he didn't bury them. He just I guess flung like them off the cliff. Throws them off a cliff to like gain their power or whatever. Justin in the chat said the Adrenochrome, trying to get the yeah. Adrenochrome. <laughs> uh, so, so, um, what was the fallout at the command? Was there anything? Not that, not that the old private knight ever heard about. So. He just is gone. He did this, and you guys just like carry on because you're getting oh, ready for we, deployment. We got another one because I think I think there were four people from three six one cab got like murdered somebody. There was like that they, they were trying to. There was a couple guys trying to rob a drug dealer. Um, there was one guy. I think one guy killed another soldier or something. There was just a lot of it going around. You just got you kind of got used to it. Yeah, and just for clarification here, because I, I do see that here on um, on the 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 story, the article. Let me let me switch back over to it so that people can see it. So it says he served at Fort Carson from 2006 and deployed to Baghdad, but the whole brigade has 3,400 people. So we're talking about if it's four people, that's four in 3,400. So no, that's, this was just out of 361 Cav, just out of the squadron, which is about a thousand. Oh, so like a thousand, so like a third of that, so like a thousand, and. It says six other soldiers have been charged with homicides. And it said one of them were about this drug dealer. One was about killing another soldier. Uh, a pair of civilian men who were found hanging garage sales signs at an intersection. Just they got killed. And that seems to be like the that, that's what they reference as far as the other the other crimes, the other murders. Um but did you know? Did you know about this? Like, did you know any of these other guys that this happened to, or that were involved in like killings? Not really. You just you would just hear, you know, at like the Friday safety briefing, like, oh, another one of you guys got caught murdering someone. You know, stop that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I I'm trying to think now if I knew anybody who killed somebody. I, I do know someone who killed somebody in a DUI crash. And I know somebody else who like paralyzed someone in a DUI crash, but murder, I'm trying to think, oh, I fucking do know someone. 
I do know someone who murdered someone. Uh, wait, uh, try to try to remind me to get back to it. And I'll tell that story. But um, so what else about so tell what else about Marco, dude? So I mean, he was freaking psycho. Like I, I don't know what more to how how much more to describe the dude. The black like, the black raptor and the fact that he said black raptor. Do you know where he was from? Uh, he's from Michigan. Michigan. So. The the whole like uh, the whole like yeah, he grew up like a, he grew up like an hour away from where I grew up. Really, the whole speech impediment thing is crazy, dude. Is there yeah, just... is there something with the army's like culture that makes people aside from like recruiting anybody, uh, just recruiting everybody? Is there anything in the army's culture that would make someone more prone to like kill another soldier or some random person? If you were in three six one cab, you would you would understand. Like um, <laughs> they, the stupidity kind of broke. You know, drove you to the ragged edge. I could see somebody just snapping with the stupid shit they made us do. Like just above and beyond the Call of Duty stupid shit. Yeah, and I, I assume you probably mean like because I remember when we did the episode, and I remember uh, Copus said something super funny, which is like when he has nightmares about the army, it's being in garrison, not on deployment. Oh yeah, yeah. I I would when we got back from Afghanistan, like after about a month of being back in garrison, I'm like, just send me back or kick me out of the army. Like I, I hate it here. Like just the stupid shit. Um. Yeah, and like you'd see like the two like the infantry, you know, the infantry brigades or whatever. They'd be uh, having a great time and stuff. And three one, they just like mass punishment for no reason. They just like. It, it was like the stupid shit you normally get in the army just dialed up to 11. I, I, it's difficult <laughs> to explain. Just ridiculous. That's crazy, dude. That, that unit, uh, 361 Cav had a uh, quite a reputation. Like, you didn't want to go there. Well, from, you know, I did two deployments with the army. All, one of those was in 2009 at Bagram, and then the other one was in 2013 with an ODA, and they had, like, an uplift infantry with them. And I remember, like, the army's, like, leadership seemed to not on the SF side, but in the conventional side, just seemed to love making life as miserable as possible for everyone who was in under their fucking command. Yeah. What, oh, yeah. what is that? Uh, I don't know. It's, I guess it was like their idea of keeping people out of trouble, just lock everybody down and like, don't let them do anything. Keep them, keep them busy, occupied doing dumb stuff. Damn. I've heard, crazy stories dude of of people like they come home from deployment they're like on the tarmac you know landing at their next location like out of afghanistan they turn around they like fly them back because they need them at like another base or something like these horrible stories of the fucking army dude uh and like the way people get treated there's not correct me if i'm wrong but like and maybe it's changing but there wasn't a lot of like caring about the junior troops like you know taking care of like the the focusing on the mental health or like stress levels of like a junior soldier infantry or whatever. Is that accurate to say? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you would have, you would have the occasional E5 or E6 who would look out for you and take care of you. But you know, platoon sergeant level on up with a very few exceptions just didn't, this was just love to fuck with and just uh, screw you over. I was, I got pretty lucky. I was in the, the fist platoon and we were, you know, pretty chill group. Yeah, our platoon sergeant Kalich, you know, you know, he's a he's like a surfer bum from California, and he was super cool to work with. Yeah, well, I got I got lucky, but like the line guys, 
no, like, cause I remember when they, cause I was supposed to be the talk dude, right? They had me, they had me, um, spun up on like the, the fancy, the anti-mortar radar, the, you know, the advanced field artillery tactical data system, this little rugged Linux laptop and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then the Sergeant Major's like, oh, we need another Fister in, uh, black knight troop and since you're not you're the only one who's not on a pt profile you're going down to the line like three weeks before we deployed i didn't do jrtc with the unit i did no combat training i was going to be kalich's coffee boy that was going to be my deployment and they're like no you're going down to black knight and black knight did not have a good reputation even among <laughs> uh 361 calves so i i got hammered that like i'm dead like i just i was like well that's that's the end of my life i'm gonna go deploy with black knight but it all worked out I guess. I mean, you did go to the worst imaginable place in Afghanistan. Yeah. And the rest is, is history, obviously. I mean, it's, it's actual history. Like, it's, you know, we were talking about this the other day. Like, your guy's deployment is actually going to be, like, a major landmark in the history of the war in Afghanistan. Like, when they go, you're going to be one of those guys who's, like, 85 years old on, you know, the History Channel. Like, I was pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh it's gonna definitely be like do you ever do you ever think about that now like your perspective on when you watch you know people talk like people getting interviewed decades later in like world war ii stories and like them trying to remember their experiences in battle and that that might be you someday have you ever thought about that oh yeah yeah isn't it it's probably gonna happen it's like really hard to put myself like in a position where I can actually imagine somebody who's like 85, 90 years old who was in like the Korean War and they're talking about it. Like, it's hard to believe that that ever happened to them. It's like a different universe. You know what I mean? My, my neighbor is a Korean War vet and he's about 90. Yeah. It's and, hard. Uh, when, he was in the, when he was in the Army back in the 50s, he actually worked at the Battle Creek Federal Center, my hometown. You know, small world. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of shit happens all the time. Yeah. Fuck, man. Crazy. This Marco story is crazy. What What was the... Uh, did you tell me about, like... Uh, is this the cannibal story? Yeah. Okay. There, there, was a, there was rumors going around that he, like, cut them open and ate their, like, guts. Oh, my God. So, like, that's so creepy, dude. That's, like, something out of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, he was, like... Looking back, you know, like I'm sure a lot of people who deployed with him in Iraq were like, uh, oh, I was like, I slept in the bunk next to that dude for a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it puts, yeah, it puts a lot of, uh, a lot of things in perspective when you see people you, you know, lived with for a while just snap and do, uh, some heinous stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It but he wasn't the only crazy dude we had in 361. We had one guy who was a, uh, a Satanist, right? Like he had it on his dog tags and everything. And me and Jones were uh, coming back from leave and this was in Bagram and we were in the 361 cab holdover building and he sleeps on his cot. No shit. Just like this. Oh. Like <laughs> and doesn't move. I have, I've got pictures of it somewhere, but it, dude, super creepy. That's so weird. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story and I'm, I'm going to give you a question from the, uh, chat here. It was uh, in boot camp. I was the guy who was sleeping directly across from me. So like if we were 
standing in our racks at attention or whatever, I would see him in my eye line. And he was weird from the very beginning. And we flew to, uh, to boot camp from the same MEPS station. And he was weird then, I remember. And we were in the same boot camp. His last, his last name started with a K. I don't remember what it was. And one night, he's just laying in his rack. And he sits up like a possessed person. And he looks right at me. It's like about to be taps. And he looks right at me. And he goes, you will pay for your sins in blood. And then slowly lays back down and goes to sleep. That exact same thing happened to me in basic training. No way. We had a guy, he would sleepwalk too. And you'd have to pick him up and carry him. Like when you're on fire guard, you have to carry him back to his bunk and lay him down. But one day he was sleeping like dead like this. And he shoots straight up and he's like, I'm drowning. <laughs> and then lowers himself back down. We're like, what the fuck was that? I fucking reported him. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, looking back, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel a little slimy, but I was like, I go up to the fucking, whoever the, you know, the overnight, you know, RDC was the drill instructor. And I go over, I'm like, I knock and I'm like, uh, semen recruit bloom reporting or whatever you say. And he goes, what's up bloom. And I go, uh, this dude just said, we're all going to pay for our sins in blood. And he's like, what? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That's what he said. He said, we're all going to pay for our sins in blood. He's like, go get back in your rack. And then he called that dude in and they talk. And then this dude goes and gets back in his bunk. And I'm like, I guess it's not such a big deal. I guess it's all good. And uh, I had just never seen some crazy shit like that. And so I was pretty thrown off. And I think I felt like I was the only person who heard it. So (laughs) I I, I totally narked, I guess. (laughs) Hey, uh, so Kyle, uh, Syphy in the chat says, do you think the army has gotten softer in general? than when you were in, and do you think that's better or worse? Every every army guy is going to say the next generation of troopers is going softer. They The people before me thought we were too soft. I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe not. Yeah. We'll probably be using robots before too long anyways. So everybody will just be fighting with joysticks and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's really true, dude. Uh, you got to check out Kill Chain. Uh, pretty boy swag with a $1 donation. Thank you very much. And he says, cheers to paying for your sins in blood, Max. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers to that. I'm still waiting. I mean, I'm sure it's going to catch up with me someday. Um, so, so the, uh, the fucking, um, the other, you had talked about some other people, other like guys in your platoon or like that you in your battalion or whatever who, who did crime there were some other crime stories yeah there was this meth head who i uh i met on extra duty he uh he drove this mustang it was a mid-90s mustang with a body kit you know they put the body kit on they never get around to painting it so it's like four different christmas colors and uh he got arrested he tied up a chick in the barracks and raped the, raped her oh and he had taken he had taken the primo parking spot in the barracks with his shitty Mustang. So every time you'd walk by, you'd kick this thing or you'd bust the window out and take a big old piss in it. And my buddy, Jassy Holmes, who's a big old boy, he was one day, he was jumping up and down on the roof of it. And uh, CQ came out. I was like, hey, is that your car? He's like, yeah. And I go, okay. <laughs> so you're talking, you're talking, that was his abandoned vehicle after he got like arrested or whatever? Yeah. And it took him a year to like move that thing. And it was right there, right in front of the door, the, like the, the best spot in the lot. You know, I can't tell if we're talking about true crime or regular barrack stories. 
Like the barracks is the craziest fucking place. I'm sure all the listeners have like barracks stories as well. The barracks is like, it's like Mad Max, dude. Yeah, I um, I was hanging out with one of our snipers and we drank like a gallon of vodka on a Tuesday night. <laughs> and uh, he just took a baseball bat and just bashed in every wall in his kitchen. And he was like, the next day he was trying to like cover up the holes with the posters and stuff. Yep. And uh, yeah, you'd see, you'd, be, you'd come in the barracks and you'd see like a trail of blood going up the stairs, <laughs> going to somebody's door or something. Yeah, but good times in the barracks too. Like if you didn't have any money for beer or whatever, you could just walk from party to party. Like, hey man, gotta get one and then, you know, get your buzz on for free. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a pretty good time. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you know, uh, there's Austin in the chat just said, yeah, yeah, he was a rapist. But let me tell you about this parking spot. <laughs> I mean, he, well, if, he, I, if I got worked up over every rapist from three six one, I wouldn't have any time left in the day. You know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you were talking about that guy who got caught up with the 14 year old. We were just talking about that. So yeah, I mean, good point. Uh, yep. a comment from sea wild earth says it's so, this is kind of funny that he just left this comment, which is, uh, two nights ago, I took my son for a pee in the middle of the night business done. He laid back in his bed, looks at me and says, can I get some paint? <laughs> that weird sleepwalking stuff, dude. Um, let's see. So says is that why BAH is such a big deal. Let me tell you something. Those barracks parties are the best things ever, dude. Like, yeah, there's like the bad stuff and every barracks party has its fair share of like fighting and violence and probably some version of like inappropriate sexual misconduct. Uh, but for every one of those, there's a hundred like just really good time on like honestly fun times you have in the barracks, which is just like the best ever, dude. Work lets out on, I mean, frankly, any day of the week, everyone goes back into the barracks. They fucking leave their utes on their pants and take their fucking blouse off and it's party time basically yeah it's like dorm life i would i would get i would go out to the bar maybe three times a week when i first got there i was like blowing my entire paycheck on booze yeah sounds familiar like going out to eat and drinking that's the yeah. that's like it's all you did it's all you did uh it's it's like college but on meth you know what I mean? Like <laughs> some people were literally on meth. That's crazy. Yeah. We, and then, uh, we had the, uh, cold blood, the cold blood company LSD ring. Oh, what's that? Um, tell us about so that. So after we got back, cause Jonesy's infantry, right? So after we got back from, uh, Afghanistan, he got kicked over to cold blood and you know, he hated those guys and we, we all hated them. They were, they were dicks, but, Jonesy lived in my apartment with me and like I'd be sitting there I'd get off for lunch I'd get off for work at like noon because I was HHT and I'm like dude when are you gonna get back here to party and he's like I can't because they they caught these the cold blood guys and they would they set them up like it was like a Saturday night and the whole the whole company was was dealing or doing LSD and uh Jonesy had to go in and uh sit there while he was like everybody go down the line trying to get everybody to knock on each other and only once the first guy rolled they all rolled up but yeah there was uh drug rings going on murders we all sorts of stuff yeah we had that stuff in uh in the barracks on north island and navy so i don't know i assume you guys probably had mostly dudes in your barracks but we had a uh, because you were infantry and 
that just there were four girls and four girls in that block. So I assume that uh, it was like mostly dudes around all the time. And we, we had a we had a mixed like male female barracks, like pretty fairly mixed. And there was like these drug dealers. And you knew who the drug dealers were like they you could get like ecstasy or weed or whatever, blow, whatever you wanted. And eventually they got busted and like obviously kicked out like the worst like jail time, or whatever. But I, probably every barracks is like a drug dealer going like giving out mushrooms and shit. Uh, every barracks has like the the partiers, the fighters. There was dudes like sneaking girls in in the trunks of their car, uh, try to get them through the gate guard, like who because they couldn't get them on base any other way to go party. Um, just out of control stuff, dude. Yeah. When we uh, when we first got back from Afghanistan, you know what that K two the spice stuff was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was just coming out, and it was huge. You could just smell it, like the barracks just like it like oozed out from under the doors and stuff. Oh man! They uh, tried to they tried to drug test people, but uh, you know it never showed up because they keep changing the formula. Oh yeah. But dude, everybody was smoking that stuff. I remember that. I never did it, but I remember I remember when that was a big thing. Um, Austin says passing out in a drunk stranger's room is the best doc says doc Sib says we had a shroom ring at one of my barracks. Uh, shrooms is very common. Jacob says best free hotel on Oki is any other units lounge in the barracks after a bender waking up. Not, Go ahead. I was going to say waking up having no idea where you are is always the best sign. You had a fun night. Yeah. I've, I've woken up locked in a kitchen. <laughs> locked in a kitchen <laughs> because the, the you the rooms were had a, you know, two rooms here and then the common area kitchen and you could lock them in your room so nobody could get in from the from the back and i woke up and uh yeah both doors were locked and i was in the kitchen and it was dark and i'm like looking for my phone and stuff that i don't even know how that happened <laughs> to this day, I don't know. oh yeah i've been there uh not in a kitchen but like in a room and I'm like, Oh God. And it's like dark and I don't know where the door is. And I'm trying to find my way around, trying to figure out where I'm at. Just like, Oh dude, not even, Oh, I've been, here's this, here's a scary one. Uh, lost on the streets in a city. I don't know. Like going out at like traveling in a hotel, go out for the night, end up lost on the streets in a city. I'm not familiar with. Don't know how to get a cab or an Uber and just wandering around aimlessly. Uh, not being able to figure out where to go because I'm like too wasted. Okay. We, uh, the infantry, uh, the infantry brigade next to us, they had this, they had these big white vans that would just go up and down the strip where all the bars were in Colorado Springs. And if you didn't want to pay for a cab, that was your ticket. So you'd be looking for a white van. You're like, can you drop me off a three, six, one cab? They're like, yeah, dude. And you just kind of fall <laughs> in and they drag you under your seat. You're just like, Oh, laying in the back. <laughs> That yep. was a good. That was good. Uh, a good service. Of course, yep. three six one didn't have anything like that. You were on your own. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we had something like that in San Diego. This van that would go to downtown and back to North Island, uh, where the ships were at, and you could get it before like eleven o'clock. You get a ride home. Sea Wilder says for the Brits because he was a Royal Army. Uh, it was alcohol was the drug of choice, not substances. I'll tell you, you know the the military, the U.S. military. I'm not saying like. I'm not trying to say that drugs were like everyone's doing drugs or whatever, but it, it definitely happens a lot uh, with like individual cases and like onesie twosies, a dozen people or whatever. 
Uh, sometimes a whole command will get busted for like having a drug ring. I'm not trying to say everyone at all times is doing drugs. Alcohol is definitely still like the predominant thing that people use to party and like get themselves in trouble. Um, Doc Sib says we had a guy to try to sneak his girl in, in his sea bag. That's a, that's a good one. That's probably, that's gotta be a little girl though. Cause those sea bags are not big enough for a big person. You, do you guys use sea bags in the army? Like they're like the same thing. Those big green duffels that open on the top. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the same thing. Did you go, what did you call them? Duffel bags. Duffel bags. We just called them sea bags. We had the A bag, which is kind of like a giant briefcase. Okay. I think it was for parachutes. Oh, okay. Like stuffing your parachute back in after you drop. I think that's what they were for. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I didn't know. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but we just didn't call them anything. Uh, I don't think we, I don't think I knew what a name for them was. Rob Sweetman says, I never had a chance to experience that barracks life, but I have heard people had a great time at port in foreign countries. Um, port in foreign countries is a whole different deal, dude. Like, so Rob, you never, did you ever do any ship time where you like, uh, like a tour on a ship? I'm curious. And then, uh, Kyle, you obviously have never been on a ship, but like we would pull into a ship in another country and you would have like 10 hours to cause as much damage as possible. Right. Like you're in a foreign country, you have 10 hours or you're going to mast. And so how much shit can you fuck up in 10 hours? That's the, that's the goal. Yeah. We, um, we had this layover in Ireland the, uh, we were flying back on leave. It was me, Jones, and Mace. And, uh, of course, they're like, our leadership's like, don't drink anywhere until you get to where you're going. And we, uh, you know, we were good little kids. But we had to stay. We had to go to, like, a, this hotel in Ireland. It's like this old-fashioned building. They wouldn't even let us leave the the premises of the hotel or anything. So we didn't get – we got screwed as far as, you know, screwing around in other countries. The The airport in Ireland – I've been to it, uh, but it was like closed. We were there for like hours. And I think there was like, maybe a USO was open because they knew we were coming. And I think they had like one little place to get beer. And otherwise- was like the, 2008? No. Oh, wait. Two thousand. It was 2009. It was 2009. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were like, it was under construction. Like half of the terminal was being built. So we yeah. went through the same, about the same time. Yeah. It was probably the same time. Yeah. It was probably the same time actually, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. This would have been like- March or April or something like that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob said no ship time, Rob. I wish I had that experience. You know, the one thing that's obviously Rob, you had a lot of really, really, really cool experiences that most people will never get. You had some cool barracks experience though. You had that, uh, that special barracks that you guys were at now. Um, the, the, sh I, I tell all my buddies who had rates that never went on ships in the Navy. I was like, you should try to get on a ship at some point while you're in the Navy because Later in life, you'll be like, damn, I was in the Navy for 10, 20 years, whatever, never went on a ship. Like, people are, people are going to be like, dude, what was it like on the ship in the Navy? And you'll be like, oh, I was never on a ship. And they'll be like, stolen valor, bro. Stolen valor. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I that's what I tell everybody. I was like, I, I always used to say, the whole reason I'm in the military is so later I can steal valor. Like, just claim to do things. That's why I volunteered to go to Afghanistan and then went back and then went to Iraq, is just so I can steal valor in the future. <laughs> right. It's, uh, I can't, dude, I love the people who do that shit. It's, I mean, I don't love them, but I love watching the videos of them getting caught, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, the, uh, you ever watch, um, uh, Don Shipley? He's the, yeah. he's the biggest name in yep. catching the Navy SEALs. Yep. Oh, there's Classic. so many, dude. There's so many. It's crazy. Rob says, uh, the Buds, so Rob was a SEAL and it says the Buds Barracks was all about hazing. <laughs> That's, 
Yeah, dude. Uh, I, um, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much pro hazing as long as it serves a purpose. Uh, uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't, we, um, well, we got our replacements at, uh, after cop Keating, we, um, we had a dance off. We had a dance competition for the new guys. Nice. Nobody wanted to participate except for Wesley seals. In case he's watching. <laughs> uh, Tyler says, does SB ever get shift time? Uh, Swick, you mean Swick? Is that what you mean? Um, so, so uh, what else? Do you got any other, any other crazy crime stories from the Army that you know about? Mm, well, um, this is one I, I've told you on the phone before, but my uh, fist platoon sergeant, uh, he had retired. And uh, so I was hanging out with my buddy in the barracks and we we're watching TV and his mugshot comes up on the TV. And we're like, whoa, what's, you know, what's going on? It's like he's been busted for kitty porn. I'm like, that doesn't sound quite right. And so um, like a couple days go by and uh, we get a call from him or, you know, we go to we go to hang out at his house because we heard he was out of jail. And we go over there and, and talk to him. And I guess his ex-wife had planted it on his computer trying to frame him because she was uh, vindictive, I guess. That's right. I remember so that, that was pretty funny. Seeing, seeing his mugshot come up. <laughs> I had a, I hadn't, so I told you I had a, I knew a guy who murdered somebody, right? So this is, yeah. this is a similar story to like seeing the mugshot come up. It's actually like exactly the same story. So, except that I saw him on the internet. So this dude who I knew quite well, dude, quite well. Um, the, the, uh, the guy, I was in a band and we would play these shows and everyone would come out for these shows. So we would have these big parties at like my apartment or somebody's apartment before the show. We would roll to the show, play the show and have like an after party. And this dude was at like all of our parties. And he was always like kind of aggressive with his language. Like I'll fucking murder you, dude. You don't know me. I'll shoot you in the face. Like if he had a problem with somebody and he was always cool with me. Like he wouldn't have a problem with us, but like if he ever had beef with somebody like, or he would tell us a story about somebody that got in his nerves, he's like, you don't know me. I'll kill you. You know, stuff like that. And people say things like that all the time. They talk tough or whatever. Then he pops up on the news online. Apparently he was out at a bar and he like made a move on his girl that he knew. I guess they knew each other. He like made a move on her. She shot him down. Well, she, I should say she turned him down. He went to his car, grabbed a pistol, shot her in the head and killed her. And he went to prison for the rest of his life. He's in prison now. Uh, and I was like, God damn, the dude meant it. Like all those times, all those times he said that he was just waiting for the person to like do it to. And I was pretty shocked. Like, I, you know, it's weird to think that, you know, somebody who like went out to the bar and then killed somebody in cold blood or whatever, you know, that you like like what you were talking about, like you knew him, you rode in the back of a Humvee with him. Like I rode in the car with this dude on multiple occasions, like took shots with him, drank, you know, had him over at my house many times. Uh, right. and then he goes out and he just shoots some lady in the head. Like how crazy is that? Yeah. You never know. I got I wonder if I can look up, um, one of, uh, one of my buddies from uh, cop Keating got in a bar fight at uh, Copperhead road. And, uh, you know, after after the fight, he goes home and uh, he wakes up with all this blood around him. He's like, "What the heck?" Somebody had shot him in the leg with a twenty-two, and it went through his thigh and out, and he didn't even didn't even notice. Damn, he was so drunk. Damn, I gotta I gotta find that story sometime. Uh, 
let's see. Let's see. Tyler says shipping out next month with a SWIC contract. Uh, Tyler, you'll do a lot of boat time if you go SWIC, but you, I don't, you might, you might, or might not get a lot of time on an actual Navy ship, but don't worry. You'll be on boats plenty, a lot, all the time, constantly. It's your whole job. Uh, Jones says, tell him the, tell him the mechanics. Jones said, tell me the mechanics. Oh, so we had this guys, Euling and, uh, St. John who, uh, they, they went on a, uh, a wheel and car accessory theft spree. Like if you parked your car in the barracks for too long, they would jack it up and steal your rims. Jeez. Uh, Did they use army equipment to do it? I mean, probably. <laughs> That's shady. I'm sure they stole a lot of stuff from the, uh, from the motor pool too. Oh, I bet. There's, well, there's lots of stories of people stealing military gear for profit, you know? That's very common. Um, I mean, I, I stole some for personal use. Well, you like, it's one thing to like take stuff that you, or like claim things as like combat losses or like, oh, that's getting DRMO'd or do you guys call it DRMO'd in the army? Oh, I forget what it was called. Like Um, when it's just going to go to the trash anyway. So they let people take it. Deadlined. I think that's what they call it. Deadlined. Yeah. So stuff like that. And then people take that stuff and you've got tons of, uh, tons of things, um, I'm trying, sorry, I was trying to find a story. Then you end up with tons of like flippers and pants and things like that. Like, you know, pouches for your kit, uh, in your house that you have like for the rest of your life. And eventually you're like, well, what the hell am I going to do with all this in shit? In the Navy, do you ever have like, where you have to do like layouts for, for things, make sure everybody's got all the right stuff Yeah, yeah, yeah. in their gear. And yep. like, if anybody comes up short, like your NCOs will send you off to try to steal from other units so that you can complete your inventory. Uh, we didn't have that. <laughs> that kind of stuff happens all the time. You got to go like, we need this and this and this to complete an inventory, you know, go find it, you know, find it anywhere you can. Damn. That's pretty savage. The, the motor pool was a cutthroat place. You can steal parts off their truck to fix yours. And then you come back next week and somebody's stolen it from you. <laughs> Damn rough, dude. That's a rough life. Always got to be <laughs> on guard. Uh, <laughs> Jacob says he loves some correct hazing. Yeah, me too, man. Uh, Larry says we had a BM1 get busted for stealing needle guns and knuckle busters from the bosun's locker and to retire as a BM2. That sucks. Rob says gear adrift is a, is a gift. Gear adrift is a gift. Yeah. Yep, that's the truth. Exactly. That is the truth. You just got to be careful with what you take, though, because, like, you got to know the dollar value of it. Like, you got to be smart about it, right? You got to know the dollar value of what you take because there's, like, an amount that's, like, a, they don't care about. That's, like, a write-off or whatever. And then you have to know, is it like a sensitive serial, serialized item or whatever? Because then they'll get you in a lot more trouble too. But if it's like a consumable uh, item under like $1,000, like, and you end up with it, like nobody really even gives a shit. Yeah, I was, well, I was lucky enough that I, I kept the Fist Platoon's books before we deployed. So I knew what was on the books and what wasn't. So I'm just like, I go. would see something I wanted and I'd be like, well, it's not on the list. And I would pick it up. And like the new private we had, I'm like, uh, you didn't see any of this happen? Watch the Connex door. And I would just walk to the trunk of my Cadillac and throw it in there and come back. Yeah. <laughs> that's a smart way to do it too. To be, yeah. I, and that's also like a very common too. It's like always the person who's in charge of it that ends up being the person who like has the most ability to like, you know, We went through a lot it. of supply guys. Sure. A lot of supply guys. Sure. For, uh, yeah. Uh, Justin, my buddy who we've deployed together, uh, said, can you imagine having to steal tools from HSC 21? The army sounds wild. Like if, if, 
so aviation and army aviation is so much chill, more chill than naval aviation. I'll tell you that just from like my experience with army aviation very briefly work, like working with them on a couple like ops that we did, uh, totally different deal. In the Navy, if you try to, like, take something, you're going to fucking prison, dude. There's, like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They'll send you up to court-martial if you take something from, like, a Navy squadron that they need or whatever or that's accounted for because everything's accounted for because they don't want to end up, like, missing something on an aircraft or whatever. Uh, but when I was at, like, look, for example, when I was in NSW, uh, and Justin, I'll compare it to this, when I was in NSW, there's stuff that's just out for grab. Like, literally, the command will just put stuff out in the courtyard or like the grinder or whatever, just take whatever you want. Like you could end up with so much stuff legitimately, like without even having to be shady about it, it's out of control. Like so much free stuff is available. It was just yeah, called like dermo bins. At the uh, at the uh, Bostic, at the uh, Bostic Connex yard, they were you know they would be they would be, they'd have a padlock on them, but you could kind of move the doors a little bit. And we had one guy in our platoon who was so skinny, he could pull the doors back and shimmy in the top and just rob the connexes. <laughs> we got a lot of like cool, like laser beams, uh, detonators. We had this one, it was a, it was a bomb detonator. You put a nine volt battery in it. We called it the zap box. And if you fell asleep with your socks on, or if you smelled bad, we, I would stick the electrodes through your socks and zap your feet while you're sleeping. <laughs> that thing was badass. And, uh, uh, Jones, correct me in the chat if I'm wrong here, but didn't uh, didn't your roommate, uh, Jones's one of Jones's roommates had every piece to build a saw except for the actual receiver itself, and they caught him with it in the barracks. He had the barrel, the the you know the mechanism, the stock, the grip, the trigger, uh, and all that shit. All he needed to do was mill out a receiver, and he had a machine gun. That's uh, actually pretty scary. So, for anybody in the chat who doesn't know, a saw is a squad automatic weapon, and it's basically like a giant machine gun. Uh, that like one person can carry with thousands of rounds and just lay waste, like cause absolute destruction on whatever they're shooting at. And uh, very, very, very cool gun. Um, if you get a chance to, to, to ever wield one uh, in training or downrange. Uh, did, you, uh, did you ever get to mess with the Mark 48? Yes, uh, with the ODA I did. That, that gun's amazing. We had, uh, we had several of them. It's basically a saw with a lightweight aluminum receiver chambered in 308. That gun is money. Yeah. It's amazing. It, does, it doesn't weigh much more than a loaded AK, but you're, you know, full auto 308. Yep. He's a beat. Yep. Jones says, uh, yep, he was a crazy dude and went AWOL. Uh, Austin said they call it antiquing at sea. Yeah, so you might call it like a combat loss. Like, oh, yeah, that thing is a... Uh, that all this gear is going to be a combat loss. And then you tell, uh, you tell supply or, um, what do you guys call it? The, uh, where they receive gear? Uh, CIF. CIF. Yeah. Oh, so you would call like supplier CIF or whatever. And you would tell them, um, oh yeah, combat loss that got destroyed downrange. And we, I was at a base that closed and they were like, everything on this base is about to get destroyed. So make sure everything gets destroyed uh, and then it was like, literally nothing was going to get accounted for. They were going to blow everything up. Um, and if it wasn't like a radio or a weapon, it was, it was whatever anybody could have it. Fair game. Yep. Let's see. Rob says, Mark 48 was my baby. Uh, Larry says, I always use the saw in call of duty. <laughs> uh, 
changing out the coil spring while doing iads, Rob says. Nice. Uh, Jacob says, I missed the saw. The IAR pales in comparison. What's the IAR? I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is, Kyle? The IAR? Did it, something that replaced the saw? And then Chris says, this, the SIG MG338. Is that your favorite gun? The SIG? 338? Mm-hmm. So, Kyle, you were telling me you had, uh, was it you? Oh, Jones carried the 48, right? Yeah, he had the 240, the 48, and sometimes he'd carry a saw, too. Okay. He was the he was the design, he was the infantry guy, so he always had the machine gun. Oh, he like just, it was just by default. He just said Mark forty eight and me till the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously, uh, dude. But carrying around a two forty is no joke. That's a you're humping that thing. I did uh, I did a little bit of work with the two forty on uh, October third, and I was down in this trench and with a bipod, I couldn't angle it up high enough, so I stood up and shouldered the two forty Bravo. What? <laughs> Like, it'll kick you around a little bit, but it was it was it was a lot of fun. And it's just super heavy. Yeah. And it's, it's like, just really heavy. Twenty five pounds. Yeah. Twenty five thirty pounds. Yeah. Like it is. It's true though. With that bipod, you can't like really angle it up. If you're on the ground, you can't really angle it up. Yeah, and we were shooting at we were shooting at angles like this, so they were the only the only thing you could do is you know you had to pick it up. Hmm. Somebody asked, "Do you ever shoot the Mark 17? Which the one Mark is the Mark? Which one is the Mark Seventeen? Yeah, I know the Mark 19. What's the Mark 17? Was that what did that shoot? I never heard of it. I'm not sure. I feel like maybe the Mark 19. Did you ever shoot? Did you guys have a Mark 19 out there? I can't remember. Yeah, we had uh, Mark 19 at LRS one, and I want to say Stan Two Truck Two had a Mark 19 as well. Okay. Was that yeah, we, just, we had the four trucks? We had two Mark 19s and two 50 cows. Was Copus on a Mark 19? Yeah. Okay, I remember because we were talking about how big the uh, the links were. Yeah, he, yeah, he he filled the inside of that Humvee twice with brass. Had to open the door and kick kick the brass out. That's insane. Oh, the scar. The Mark Seventeen is the scar. I've never shot a scar. I don't. Th- I think I've seen a couple of green berets with him. I want to say, but I never got to play with him. Yeah, there was always like one or two guys in a platoon who had a scar. Um, the scar heavy, yeah. So Joan says, I got to write FN about the Mark 48. It was awesome. Army sent us four more. What's FN? I got to the write. National, they make the, uh, like FN Herstal. They make. Oh, oh. They make the Mark 48. They've got, I think they make the saw too. Pretty much all of our medium uh, crew serves are FN designs. Okay, got it. Yeah, so, uh, so the Mark 17 was the scar. Robert confirms the scar. I think now that I think about it, we had like, this is like the dumbest thing, but we had a family day at the range one day. And I think I shot a scar that day. Like as like the kids were going through shooting them. I think, I, I think that was the one time I shot a scar was at, at like our family day in uh, Coronado. <laughs> we had uh, the Fob Bostic uh, small arms range was the sketchiest range ever because they had big puddles and the backstop didn't really catch the bullets. So one time they were, I think they were doing pistols. One guy shot the target, and it bounced back and hit the guy next to him right in the middle of his body armor. Oh, like, shit. And everybody's like, <laughs> laughing. And my <laughs> boss, who will remain nameless, was like, I don't think he ever messed with a pistol before. He's like, he's shooting. He's like, oh, I think it jammed it or something. And he goes like this, <laughs> fires one straight up in the air. <laughs> straight up in the air. Everybody, <laughs> everybody just had a good laugh. Golly. 
Good thing he wasn't looking doing the barrel check. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so Jacob says the IAR is the infantry automatic rifle, replaced the saw in Marine fire teams. It's automatic, but limited to 30 round mags, no more drums. Oh, just oh, take I've, your... I've seen that on YouTube. I know what you're talking about. Okay. I got to check like that out. It's like a really beast up. M4 with a heavy barrel and a big heat shield on the front. Okay. I got to check that out um, and see what that is. Uh, all right, dude, we've been going for an hour here. I feel like uh, that was a really fun episode. I probably got to think about taking my dog outside for a walk as per usual. She starts to get pissed around this time. Sorry, man. Hey, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so real quick for everybody out there in the chat, it's been an awesome time doing our – hang on, let me do this. Hang on one second. Today, on the Scuttlebutt Show, we talked about Army True Crime with Marco, Cannibal, Eater of Women, MySpace Stalker. Thank you. Rex 290. <laughs> the Black Wapta. Thank you to our special guest, Kyle Knight, Red Platoon, for joining me on this very special episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. You can find... More information about him in the book Red Platoon, the movie The Outpost. And wait, do you still do you still have your YouTube channel, Midnight Chow? Is that still up up for people? Yeah, I just uh, I haven't I haven't I haven't got around to interviewing anybody else recently. There's five episodes, I think. Got it. And you can find his podcast, Midnight Chow, wherever you listen to episodes, on YouTube, and actually only at Midnight Chow. <laughs> Tomorrow, we'll be back with another brand new episode of The Scuttlebutt Show. Until then, I look forward to talking to all of you very soon. I am out for now. <laughs>